Welcome to the Tour Talk Golf Podcast, where we walk the walk. Now let's talk the talk. I'm your co-host, Sean McBride. Together with my wife, Maria, we share all our inside ropes experience from all the major golf tours. Welcome, Maria. How have you been? I have been pretty good. It's, um, you know, been a little bit uh, cooler after our nice little storm that came through. Storm Nicole. Storm Nicole came through and... uh, Again, it was a little bit of disaster, for, unfortunately, for some people that still hadn't recovered from Ian. Uh, but we were good and we were lucky in that regard. Uh, so during that, now, last weekend, I had a chance to kind of get involved or watch or see a little bit more about the scores, about the Aramco um, team series that mm-hmm. the Ladies European Tour has. Yep. They have four events. And it seems to be a great event. You were at one of them in New York. I was. Yeah. And um, obviously, Suzanne Pedersen played her first event since uh, retiring. Mm. And she said she's going to play a few events for her Solheim captaincy just to kind of get out there and get to know some of the players again because there's a lot of new players coming through. Any results from Suzanne? Do we know how she went? She missed the cut, unfortunately. Mm. She showed, I think, one over and five over. Okay. I think so. She missed a cut. Um, Katrina Matthew was there playing as well. She unfortunately missed a cut as well. So the last, the last two Solheim Cups, captained by Katrina, and of course the next, definitely the next one, maybe the next two to be captained by Suzanne, of which you'll yeah. be involved in the next one. But um, interesting with yeah. Suzanne, was she there just kind of scouting and getting some information together? She was there scouting a little bit too, but I think, um, like I said, just getting involved a little bit more in the actual tournaments yeah. and the events and LET and everything has got to do with Solheim Cup. So she, I think she will, you will see her play a few um, events next year. I mean, very minimal. But what I really like with the um, Aramco, though, is now uh, the tournament that they're going to have, the Saudi Ladies Open, next year is going to go from $1 million to $5 million in purse which is huge for the ladies' European tour, or for any tour, really, even on the LPGA will be a big purse. And it's going to be the same purse as the men's event. So that's going to be a big thing. Um, and uh, this year when they played, uh, Chara Noya from Germany won. I think that's how you pronounce her name. It's kind of weird. She's only 16 years old. Mm. And she won in a playoff uh, with Charlie Hall, two-hole playoff. So that was a good... Very good event for her, obviously, first event. Extremely good event. I mean, that's a, that's actually a huge win because of her age also. But um, just a few weeks ago when I was catting for Laura at the Aramco event up in New York, we played with Charlie all three days. Um, seriously good player. I mean, she's 20th on the LPGA money list as well and has won just recently. So that win by that young girl, fantastic victory. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge, huge win. Her dad was there and they're all crying and being happy so great great win and great for the let um hopefully there's a good future there in let getting more events getting more sponsors getting bigger purses but at the same time we've had let events it was actually an lpga tournament going on just south of tampa and you were there uh, scouting around a little bit i was i made the effort to go down there um it wasn't really an effort because i have a student at uh, usf um who's had a really good sophomore year. Um, those guys are coming off of three or four tournaments in a row and she felt like it would be why well, I suggested to her, I thought it'd be a great idea that she goes to the LPGA event sort of on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or at least one of the days. And I could accompany her there and, 
and obviously introduced her into the world that I lived in for all those years. And um, Juliana is a fantastic, very polite girl, and she's really enthusiastic about meeting people uh, on the professional tour. I don't know if she wants to play professional golf herself. She's certainly improved a lot over the last year uh, in her college sophomore year. Looking forward to her. She's a walk-up start basically every time um, – for her team now. So that's really good. She's contributing really well. But when she goes to the LPGA, we were there for about the first hour and I think she was a little bit overwhelmed at how many, I guess, how many caddies or how many players that I knew from all my years out there came up and said hello or what have you been up to, what's going on. I think she probably thought when I talked about the LPGA, she couldn't quite get a grasp on the amount of relationships that you build up over the years. Yeah. You know, that have stemmed us great relationships with these players and caddies around the world for 20 years. So Mm, mm. she was a little bit overwhelmed of how much it is like a travelling circus. She actually mentioned that. So Yeah, but she's also young, so the players that she looks at out there can be players that she looks up to. And for us, those were maybe players that kind of came towards later in our career when we were out there. So we know them, and for her, it's like a big starstruck thing. She was um, a little bit, and she I'll tell you what, she did a great job. She went there. I think there must be some sort of college agenda um, that she, it would be helpful if she interviewed some players. And, um, you know, players like Annika Sorenstam, Annika was there for a reason. That is that she's looking to be um, come on as the host of the tournament next year. So yeah. she was there doing all the behind-the-scenes stuff, and she gave us some great time. Mm. Um, a couple of my caddy friends gave us some great advice as well. And then also I want to put a, a particular shout-out to Vicky Getz-Ackerman, a former LPGA player. She was fantastic in spending some time with Juliana and really giving her the background information behind how the tour runs from an operational point of view. So Juliana, Yeah, she's the president of the of our board, the LPGA board, yeah. so she give, can give a lot of good information. So she got a great, uh, great experience there. Um, whilst I was there... Uh, you know, just garnering more and more interest from players and in particular some caddies that are... Caddies expressed some stuff to me in regards to saying the coaching on the LPGA um, is still very good high level, but um, somebody of my experience uh, would be very valued out there and that's what I'm doing at the moment, as we know, with Tour Talk is, is trying to work our contacts because now... Our lifestyle has opened up a little bit where we've raised Emily, our daughter, to a certain point. And, of course, you settled after your own retirement. So it's given me the chance to go back out and reconnect with the LPGA environment. Yeah. And I'm already getting some pretty uh, interested feedback, started following a couple of players around just to kind of see, um, just in case they approach me, there was a few little whispers that maybe they will. So I just wanted to kind of see what I was working with, if ever they do make a call. But it's a very comfortable environment for me to be out there watching and, and seeing everybody. I would um, I would say there's a few things that I would definitely coach differently to some of the other coaches out there, but uh, all in all, good experience being there. A little interruption from Storm Nicole, I think Nicole, it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they had so, the first day cancelled, so there was only 54 whole events. Yeah, but. first day cancelled, but when I went back there and seen the – First, what did I, did I go about the first or second round? I can't remember. Um, I think it was the second. Second round, round. yes, yes you went on Saturday. So it was good. It was it was a very good golf course. I will say it was um, extremely challenging on the greens and around the greens. I think it was the intention was to show a former Donald Ross sort of golf design where the greens are quite undulating. Oh, okay. Um, and the chipping areas, well. 
you're going to get found out there if you can't chip um, because the area is incredibly tight around the the green. So mm. a lot of iron shots coming in, if you didn't hold the sort of little plateau that was on, you would either have a 30, 40 foot snaking part or you'd be chipping or putting from off the green. So Yeah, so it's good in those situations too to have a good good caddies that does a good job with the course and know where to hit the ball, where to finish off if you're missing greens and what is a good spot and what is a dead spot, really. I think so. I did see a lot of players hit a lot of quality shots and still get burned mm. because they've hit a good shot to a little area that just slightly releases a little bit too much and goes over an undulation. But there's no surprise that, you know, probably one of the best players iron control you know that she controls her ball flight really well her distance control really well and she has got a really good caddy and that's Nellie Corder that went on to win because when I seen the golf course I just thought it was kind of set up for somebody like her who really controls her ball flight really well with the yeah. experience of Jason her caddy so really right. good win by Nellie yeah she I mean she has been um she's had a I guess a tough year this year um, including obviously a, a blood clot in her vein in her left arm, mm. so she's uh, she's had some emotional up and downs. She's um, missed some cuts recently as well. So um, that was kind of with her interview after she, um, you know, she was very emotional, and it was I think a huge relief for her to come back and and win again. And she won back to back because she won the tournament last year as well. So that was. Um, yeah, a very good win for her, and she's she will be number one after this week, apparently. Yes. So yeah, so she's a good good player, and you saw that out there. I did. I mean, I watched. I didn't necessarily see her play. I've seen her play many times before, but I was mm. watching her in and around the clubhouse. And as you know, what I'm like, I like to watch human behavior. <laughs> yeah. And um, in fact, that's what what mm. a lot of the coaching out there is missing. To yeah. be quite honest, it's a subject for another day. Is it's not just about instruction; it's actually about athletic human behavior. And if you're really coaching at a high level, you're able to delve into that. So, mm. watching Nelly and the relationship with her caddy Jason is really interesting. Very professional. Uh, reminded me a lot of how you went about your business with your caddies and how I did it with my players. Yeah. Um, it's sort of very polished product, um, time management and application to every part of the game is really good and Jason looks really comfortable in that situation. The only thing I seen that we could really relate to was Jason's uh, fiancé slash uh, wife-to-be is Carolyn yeah. Masson. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's got that dynamic of caddying for basically the number one player in the world or close to it, yeah. and she wins the golf tournament and Caroline misses the cut by one and she got the last spot for this week's CME. So it's an interesting dynamic when you're caddying for a player that's really doing well. Mm. Your wife is a really good player as well, but she's not playing as well that week or hasn't had a good year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tough dynamic to kind of um, balance between those conversations, but ultimately um, he's, he's the winner with his player and, of course, his wife also gets into the last event, the CME. So, so that's a good it's a, du- it's a double win, really. Yeah, you would have thought so, obviously. I'm, I know that. Caroline is a, is a great player and um, she will probably be annoyed missing missing cuts. She's had a few events this year where she's kind of just missed a cut, which is always annoying as a player. But it's good to be in the CME event because that is a big event and it's coming up this week. In the, Naples, Florida. Yeah. The winner gets $2 million. So it's a huge purse um, and it should be uh, obviously a good tournament and there's always these other little um, tournaments within the tournament, like the Ver Trophy and things like that that goes on. And I think there's still a few that are needs to be um, decided after this event. 
which is always exciting too. But uh, we have a few, um, if I'm talking about the Swedish players, but we have a few, Maya Stark, Anna Nordqvist and Madeleine Sagstrom is playing. Lynn Grant, which has had a huge year. She's played really well. I think she's up to number 26 in the world right now, in the world rankings. And uh, she can't play due to vaccination status. Her she, choice to not be vaccinated. Yeah, her choice to not to, so she can't come into America. We which will. a year down the track or 18 months down the track from you know other well-known sports people or entertainers choosing not to vaccinate, you can see now it doesn't really get much headline. I mean, back then, only 18 months ago when the world was on absolute high alert, uh, somebody choosing not to vaccinate was you know basically ostracised, whereas you know she's just chosen to not vaccinate to be quite honest i think the world's probably settled down a bit and realized it's probably not that bad of a decision it's her own personal choice but of course yeah she doesn't get the benefit of playing in a season-ending event that could really define her early career it could and i think really america is one of the only few countries left where you need to be vaccinated to get into the country yeah so that, we'll see polit- that is political that is maybe and we, political. we won't cross that path because that is political because of all the um, ironic decisions in America about COVID situation. That one is ridiculous. Yeah. So we will see. Hopefully next year they will uh, lighten that up so that, um, you know, non-vaccinated people can come into the country as well. Um, Another little point I thought with LPJ, I I thought it was pretty good this year. We've had 11 first-time winners on the LPJ this year. I think that must be a pretty high number for first-time winners. Yeah, I think it's showing the um, the dispersion of ability uh, from number one through to probably about the top 30 or 40 is a lot closer than it's ever been. Mm. I think even back in the time when you were in the consistently in the top 20 on the money list, really outside of the top 15 to 20, you probably wouldn't bank on somebody, those players winning outside of the top 20 to top 50 on the money list so no um, first time winners um yeah it's always good it's good i think because it also shows the diversity and and everything that comes with the tour we have a lot of new players coming in and um so that's fun to see yes first prize is two million dollars and when you were reporting that uh just about two minutes ago i did get my attention that you just kind of breezed over that like two million dollars is just two million dollars so are you hiding anything from me that i should know about (laughs) There's no, there's no hiding in that. But I we it wasn't just a great know. deal of enthusiasm about the person winning was two million dollars. <laughs> it was like yeah, two million dollars. <laughs> it is because it's been like well, it hasn't been like that the whole time. Has this got uh, anything to do with me bringing uh, awareness to you that you are actually fortieth on the career money list? I was looking at that last night, and mm-hmm. you've earned six point two million dollars. So two million dollars huh. to you is just nothing more than five dollars to me. Yeah, yeah, really. And where has that those uh, money gone? To I me. wonder. To you. To me. Yeah. A big patch to you. Yes, it's a big, uh, it's a big first prize. It's a big tournament for the girls. End of year. It's been going all all year. Obviously, they garner points and they all the things they do these days with FedEx Cup, FedEx Cup on the PGA Tour, CME on the old PGA. It's hard to keep up, but ultimately. Uh, Minji Lee will be the red hot favourite because I just looked at the money list and she's earned to this date before this week three point seven million dollars and mm. that is impressive. That is very impressive. So well done yeah. and congratulations to Nelly Corder. Well done for all the girls making it to CME. Yeah. Um, have you got anything else? Should we start to work towards our weekly good, bad, and ugly? What do you think?
looking forward to this good, bad, and ugly. And hopefully, okay. you have prepared again this I have, week. I have, I have. You have prepared this week. That's good. That's good. Uh, we never know each other's good, bad, and ugly because no. we keep that as a secret. Oh, yes. Nobody knows anything in this household. <laughs> no. Now we stay in different parts of the house uh, and um, see each other every now and then. But um, that's how it works. So, are you going to start or am I going to start with the ugly today? I'll start with an ugly. Okay. And obviously, in my attempt to avoid uh, Tropical Storm Nicole uh, from Tampa through back to Orlando and then returning back to the uh, event in Tampa a couple of days later, I had to deal with the ugliness that is the Interstate 4 in Orlando, and it is absolutely horrendous. Yeah, um, it is. The traffic, the drivers, the lack of access the exits, everything about it is terrible. The only thing that got me out of it is I decided to ride my motorcycle down there and back on the second attempt. Yeah. Knowing that there's probably going to be a um, traffic accident at some point, sure enough, right mm-hmm. near exit 58, uh, that's where it always happens. Yeah. And Sean decided, because it was getting dark, he just went into that little um, emergency lane on the right-hand side and just cruised past and saved myself about 90 minutes. But... <laughs> Not something I want to do every time. And if you're stuck in the I-4 and you're coming home from work or going to work at any particular point during the day, uh, any week of the year, I feel for you because it is ugly. That's yeah. not ugly. No, it, it is ugly. And it seems like uh, we're going to have that pass through the city and everything uh, with a fast lane. It's getting better, but it's still always very, very busy. Have you got an ugly for us? I do have an ugly. Um, it's the... Drama between Pat Perez and Mickelson. Oh, tell me more. I had no idea. <laughs> well, I guess there was some old stuff. Like back in the days, they used to always hang out. Uh, they went to the same um, university, I guess, and they were best of friends. They lived close to each other. Um, but then Pat Perez, he doesn't want to say, uh, he doesn't want to go into detail what Phil has done. But he did, not too long ago, cross the line and it can't be uncrossed, is Pat Perez's words. So I don't, we don't, he doesn't want to go into details. Mm. So we don't really know what has happened. But he is uh, very upset with Mickelson and um, they don't talk. They don't, you know, say hi. They don't do anything like that anymore. Well, I haven't heard about that one. And I do yeah. have some good sources out there and in my time. I didn't actually know when I was out there that there was bad blood between Perez and yeah. Mickelson. So something, it's uh, not brewing very good between them. Probably so. gets down to two very fragile ego egos. Maybe, yeah, it could be. So I that's mean, your ugly. That is my ugly. My bad was last night watching the Dallas Cowboys, who I support, have a 14-point lead well into the fourth quarter and yeah. lose in overtime. That was my bad, bad oh, loss. Oh, oh. And uh, it just it starts to edge towards um, what everybody says about the Dallas Cowboys. They always get off to a hot start and then they find a way. To miss out on the playoffs. Well, even if they get to the playoffs, they get dumped out of them pretty quickly. So we'll hold our breath to see if um, they can get it together for the last half of the season. But mm. a bad loss last night. What have you got for a, for a bad? Bad is, I think, it's bad that on Saturday and Sunday you had... To watch the LPGA live, you had to stream the coverage. They didn't show it live. You had to watch it um, tape delayed on the Saturday evening between 7.30 and 10.30. And I think that's pretty bad that you have to stream 
stream women's golf. Mm. It doesn't make it very good, I don't think, for for getting more um, uh, viewers and getting more enthusiasm about the LPGA. I wonder who makes those decisions because if you compare it to the PGA Tour without going into all the media right details, I mean, there wasn't a great deal of competition on the PGA Tour either, so why they didn't telecast it, uh, don't know. No, I don't know either. And in saying but- that, it's, fu- it's actually funny you say that because when I was there and walking around, now that I think about it, there was no TV towers or anything, so they never had any intention oh, I, to I, do uh, still camera shots. A lot of it might have been um, dynamic yeah. camera movement. So, yeah, something like that. Um, it's a shame because actually, yeah. uh, I actually really liked the golf course. It was a really good event. And I will say, going back earlier, um, not trying to steal your information here, but the uh, I thought it was quite well attended. Oh, okay. Yeah. So despite the storm interrupting and everything yeah, like that, I thought yeah. it was pretty well attended if you feel like, you know, a decent energy around the 18th green and mm. a lot of other holes had decent galleries following them. So it's a yeah. shame. We'll see next week. I mean, well, this week I should say Naples is obviously known for more of a retirement place. Mm. It's a little bit older crowd. So Maybe we'll we see should go down there with our electric bikes. <laughs> Maybe we should. We, right we might leave the villages and go down to yeah, Naples. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. My good. Yes. What do you have? To finish to... off my good, bad, and ugly, mm. my good is it just got announced, and I uh, obviously know a few people, so I had a feeling this was going to happen, but it just got announced that the Live Golf Tour has just signed with the South Australian government for early next year to have one of the live events at the golf course that I grew up playing, the Grange Golf Course uh, in Adelaide. Yeah. Um. Now, I think you've been there. Oh, no, you've been there, but I don't know whether you – and he did play in an Australian Open there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two courses, mm-hmm. east and west, and Greg Norman just came out, done all the media stuff, said that he's, um, you know, bringing the tour there. The reason why it's connected to – he's connected to the Grange Golf Club. In 1976, uh, Greg had his first ever professional victory there on the east course at the Grange Golf Club. He's always stayed affiliated with the um, – you know, the history of the place, and he then went and redesigned the East Course um, only probably about five to ten years ago. Mm. And it was interesting. I think uh, being a member and an assistant pro there for many, many years, I always felt like the West Course was a better golf course, um, which was redesigned by Mike Clayton, another Australian professional. Right. Uh, so I thought, well, this would be interesting to see how they do this because back in the day they used to do a composite course, mm. a mixture of East and West. Then they did... Uh, West Course for the Australian Open ladies um, mainly, and they never really touched the East Course. And I got a feeling, if I know Greg uh, and his, um, let's just say, tunnel vision about what Greg designed they play, I'm pretty sure it's going to be on the East Course at the Grange Golf Club, um, which I think will come across as being pretty darn good because it's a very tough golf course. Yeah. Uh, but the Grange Golf Club in Adelaide, South Australia, is the first Australian golf club to take the bait of the Live Golf Tour, and I'm going. I can guarantee you, the local community will go from cynical and critical to falling all in love with the amount of players that come down there. So that was my good. Yeah, but I also heard that Greg might be stepping down from the CEO position at the Live Tour. Will you say this? But yeah. I've not read this in my little radar. So I don't you know have not it, read I, that. It's uh, it's all over media and news. And uh, yeah, the tailor-made, ex-tailor-made guy might fill in there. So we will see what happens. I'm sure with he's that. still going to be very, very He'd involved. be very involved. Yeah. He's not uh, leaving Live for sure. Yes. Uh, so have you got a good to finish this off? I do have a good. Uh, I have, of course, my Tampa Bay Lightning. 
and they beat the Washington yesterday. Of course, because after... you started with my Tampa Bay Lightning. So whenever you say my, we know we've won. Yeah, well, my no, I always say my. They anyway. they lost. No, my Lightning won. Yeah, my Lightning. <laughs> but I um, two days ago they lost. We lost. There we go. Yeah, we lost one to five, and then. They won last night at six to three. So it was a good comeback. Uh, you know, playing the same team two days later is always a hard, hard one. But Tampa is definitely going through some changing in the team because of salary cap and everything. So 11 players on the team won the Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay Lightning, but 12 players has not won the Stanley Cup with them. So they're definitely going through changes and, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, hopefully they keep it up. And like we all know, once we get to the playoff, it all starts again. Okay, so a good, a good, good, bad, and ugly. Um, you followed the rules. Excellent. Well done. Yeah, of uh, course. We made a nice little trip around. A little bit about Memory Lane, a little bit about the LPGA and LET. So it's always good to talk about the girls. Mm. And of course, before we go, you're going to remind everybody. Plus, I'd like to put a little caveat on that: that uh, Sean is trying to get out there and do as many reels as I can on Instagram to get our message across that um, not only do we coach and instruct, but we really try and deliver a lot of the tour-level introspective ideas that you and I experienced. And that kind of separates that separates us a little bit from the main coaching industry. And if you're willing to discover more of that, check us out on our socials, obviously. But if you're in Orlando at the Marriott Grand Vista, come for the experience of a lifetime to get instructed by somebody that carried on tour for 20 years or for somebody like yourself, you could play with you. Yeah. Um, who, you know, was a dominant top 20 player on the LPGA for those 20 years. So please go ahead and sign us out on all our socials. Yeah. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And actually there now, um, since Sean has created some videos, we got some new updates there, some new downloads. So please go to, to YouTube and check them out. There's reels on YouTube as well. That are really cool. So um, check getting, them all getting out. Getting quite a few hits, I believe. Yes, so like quite a lot of hits. So that's great. I must have done something right. <laughs> or, or they're not listening. They're just kind of scrolling through yeah. them. But who knows? Uh, also follow us on um, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we have to remind you that we walk the walk. Now let's talk the talk. Bye for now.